Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor David Hall. If you'd like to find out more about David or to keep up to date with his ministry, you can visit davidhall.com.au. We hope you enjoy the message. Well, I, I am just so honoured to be here. Before you sit down, just for 11.3 seconds, and it will be precise, I want you to lift your hands to heaven across the house and just, let's just ask the Holy Ghost. I mean, we don't really have to ask the Holy Ghost to be here, it's here, it's moving, but Father, tonight, do whatever you want to do. Lord God, touch hearts and touch lives. Father, we see America shaken from the White House to the crack house. God, from the prison house to the schoolhouse to every house, God, from sea to shining sea, Father, we see America under the grip of the supernatural hand of God. Father, I pray, touch America with a revival. Lord God, I pray that a move of God would shake this nation. Lord, that people would know that Jesus saves, that Jesus heals, that Jesus baptized in the Holy Spirit, and that Jesus is coming back again. And Father, we give you praise for what you're going to do. Lord, let faith be in the house. Let there be a supernatural breakthrough in the house tonight. In the name of Jesus, can somebody give God a praise in here right now? I mean, can somebody make a joyful noise under God in here tonight? Come on, somebody. King of kings. King of kings. Well, praise God. You may be seated in the house. And if you have a Bible, turn to the book of Matthew. I'm so excited to be here and and minister. I've never preached in South Carolina before. I preached in North Carolina. I just, I just love what God's doing. This is like the coldest beach town I've ever experienced in my life. I went to Starbucks this morning. I thought my nose was going to freeze off. I don't know about you, but I am not in this thing because I believe that God's dead. I'm in this thing because I believe he's alive and he's going to transform and, and set people free. Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. And I want to have a look at the ninth verse. And it says this. Now when he had departed from there, he went into their synagogue. And behold, there was a man who had a withered hand or a paralyzed hand. And they asked him saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath that they might accuse him? And then he said to them, what man is there among you that has one sheep And if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will he not lay hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value then is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. Somebody say, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and it was restored as whole as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and plotted against him that they might destroy him. And I want to use for a subject, just preaching a short message of faith, and then we're going to lay hands on people and see miracles, see lives change, see people set free, filled with the power of God. But tonight I want to use for a subject, just preaching a couple of moments, I want to preach Jesus Christ and the case of the paralyzed hand. Father, we thank you for what you're going to do in this house. Lord, anoint the word, let faith rise. Let the supernatural power of God invade this atmosphere. And Father, right now, we're careful to give you all the praise, all the glory, all the honor in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said together, 
Amen. Just before I preach, it's just a privilege to be able to minister with my favorite worship leader in the world, Pastor Eddie James. I mean, my God. I love this story. I love this story because I love the nature of Jesus. I love the fact that when Jesus does something, he he interrupts religion. He interrupts the opinions of man. He interrupts people's uh, 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 earthly frame of thinking. And, and if, you, if you were to go to the Sea of Galilee right now and to a little city called Capernaum, 2,000 years ago, that city was hustling and bustling. And, and basically the headquarters of Jesus' ministry were in this place called, in this city called Capernaum. And, and the Bible tells us that Jesus went to the synagogue that day. There would have been a buzz around town in Jesus HQ that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is, is in town. And whenever he was in town, things would happen. You know, he would walk on water. He would cast out demons. He'd raise the dead. He would do supernatural things. Whenever Jesus showed up, these people knew that something was about to happen. And even before I get into my message, I want to remind you that whenever Jesus shows up, something is going to happen because the Bible says he's the same yesterday. To, come on, somebody. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he doesn't change. And you might be sitting here tonight, and, and, and you, might be, you might have come to Shabbat thinking tonight there was a concert on, and you thought you could get in cheap. We, we tricked you. There's a concert on. We're entertaining the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Son of the Living God, and he's in this place. The Capernaum was in a buzz because Jesus was there, and then he decides to go to the synagogue and minister and and what's amazing and a church was a little different back in those days it was a bit more informal you could roll up and this guy could teach a bit and someone else would teach so Jesus would have waited his turn and the Bible says there were some Pharisees there the book of Mark tells us they were waiting for an opportunity to entrap him basically to get him to do something or say something so they could bring accusation and we see in this story there were three things at play in this story, we see a paralyzed man, we see a paralyzed plan, and we see a supernatural man. We see a paralyzed man, a man who was sick in his body. And that, that word paralyzed in the original Greek, or that word withered or paralyzed, the implication in that word is not that he was born with it, but he had become this way. And you know, there are people in this room, and, and you know, the funny thing about it is, to me, it doesn't really change the story. It's just an interesting thought. Because there's people in this room who you might have started out so well. You might have started out alive with the presence of God. You might have started out on fire for Jesus. You might have started out with a desire to see your high school one to Christ and to see Jesus do something, the Holy Ghost do something supernatural. But maybe as time goes on in your walk with God, you've gone from being a person of faith to being someone that's almost become paralyzed with fear, paralyzed with shame, paralyzed with humiliation, paralyzed by, by something that might have happened happened to you or something that, that, that didn't happen to you and, yet, and you're sitting here tonight and you might be somebody who in your nature has lost the ability to stretch out and do the things you used to do for God because maybe in and of yourself you become paralyzed. 
Or maybe it's always been that way. You've come to this place tonight. You've come to Shabbat conference. You don't know why you're here. Maybe you came because somebody said, hey, there's a seat on a bus. Why don't you come down to Myrtle Beach? So you came to Myrtle Beach in your shorts and in your T-shirt. And now you're freezing to death. Hoping someone would preach on hell so you can warm up. I've got bad news for you. We're going to scare the hell out of this place. You know, we're in a world, America right now, spiritually speaking. I'm not here to commentate on America. I'll tell you the same about Australia. I'll tell you the same about New Zealand, Canada. I'll tell you the same about England, Singapore. The islands of the sea, Africa, Europe. Paralyzed. The world is full of paralyzed men whose only hope is Jesus. You know, now I'm not trying to be funny, but a paralyzed hand, if you've ever seen somebody who's been affected with arthritis or, or some kind of disease like that, their hand looks fine at first, but when, when it stops being used, it becomes, it becomes contorted and the fingers become smaller and, and it ends up being almost like a claw and, and, and you would hide this thing. You'd be full of shame. You'd be embarrassed. You wouldn't want people to see it. And the truth is there, there is a part of all of us that has Shrunk back, we've pulled back, and, and you know, I, if I can, if I can even say this, we talk about a paralyzed man in this passage, and 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 you might you might be here, and and you might say, I need I need hope, I need life. You've come to the right place, but can I tell you, the the, the, the paralyzed man is one thing, but then we see a paralyzed plan that, that's initiated by people trying to entrap Jesus, and this paralyzed plan. If I could even even be. Bit more straight. It's a it's a picture of a paralyzed church. Come on, somebody. And I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not the kind of preacher. If you want to get a preacher that's gonna get angry and mad, I'm not your guy. I got too much Jesus in me, man. I'm too happy, I'm too full of the Holy Ghost. I, I see the good in things, I want to see people lifted. I love being part of the church. I love the church. I mean the church is the best. I go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night. I'll go to the women's meeting if they let me. My wife says, no, you stay home. I'll be there, sister. I wear my best frock. I look fantastic. But what I'm trying to tell you is, in a lot of ways, the church has gotten paralyzed. We've shrunk back. There's things we used to say that we don't say anymore. There's things we used to believe that we don't believe anymore. There's things we used to proudly declare that now we go, is it okay to say that anymore? There's things we used to call a sin and, and, and used to say in Jesus' name be free or, or, or things we used to cast out. See, the problem is now the church and, and, and we've got to be careful, youth pastors, youth leaders, senior pastors. I'm a pastor, I believe this. We've got to, the, the church has got to a point where we just refer people on. If you've got a drug addiction, we'll refer you to this place. If you've got problems in your marriage, we'll refer you to that place. If, if you've got sickness in your body, we'll refer you to that place. If you've got a, a, an evil spirit, we'll refer you to that place rather than than. than, than actually activating the gift of God on the inside of us and saying, in the name of Jesus. Man, can, can I tell you, whether you believe it or not, there is still power in that name. There, demons still tremble at the name of Jesus. I mean, when that name's spoken, things change. Come on, somebody, do you believe it in the house? I tell you, I don't want to be a part of any paralyzed church. I want to be a part of the church that Jesus is coming back for. It's a church without spot. It's a church without blemish. It's a church without wrinkle. I'm telling you, it's a church that Jesus said. He said, I will build my church. Is anyone alive in the house of God? I mean, you know, when I grew up, 
Pastor Glenn, I was raised by crazy, charismatic Pentecostal lunatics. And can I tell you, you say that's disrespectful. No, it's a complete compliment because I'm raising mine the same way, man, full of the Holy Ghost, full of the power of God. I met my wife in church. I got saved in church. I got baptized in the Holy Ghost in church. I got called to preach in church. I went to Bible college in church. I started out as a home group leader in church. I learned the Bible in church. I learned how to worship in church. I learned how to speak in tongues in church. I learned to magnify the name of Jesus in church. I learned to serve in church. I learned to tithe in church. I learned to protect the church. I learned to pray for the church. And can I tell you something? I love the house of God, but I'm telling you right now, may we never be Come a church that's paralyzed with fear, who draws back. In Hebrews, Paul says, don't draw back. We can't draw back. we got to take ground for the kingdom of God. It's things we can't say anymore. It's things we can't think anymore. But the Bible hasn't changed. I'm not saying we become mean. I hate that. But we still know what the Bible says. Let's protect the word of God. Let's not have a church that's a paralyzed plan. What's a paralyzed church? A church that has the form, but doesn't have the power. Church without the Holy Ghost isn't church. I don't want to be a people that go to church. I want to be the church that involves going to church, but I want the church living on the inside of me, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. That's good news. Being part. Of the kingdom of God, there was a paralyzed man. There was a paralyzed plan. But there was a supernatural man whose name is Jesus. I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost in here. You know? I just, I just... Capernaum's a buzz because Jesus is in town. They're all going mental. Jesus is in town. This is awesome. You've got to get down to church. The place is packed out. It's packed out with religious people waiting to trap him. So Jesus stops. And he says to this guy, what's wrong with you? He's got a withered hand, a paralyzed hand. He says to him, step forward. Can you, can you imagine these Pharisees and Sadducees? They're standing around going, we've we got it, we've got it. He's going to do something stupid. We're going to trap him. So while they're waiting for something, they're saying, you can't heal him on the Sabbath. And he says, which of you would let a lamb fall into water and wouldn't scoop him out. That's not an act of work. That's an act of good. What Jesus right there did was he showed the value of a human life. He showed the value that mankind has, showed the truth that mankind has value to him. God values you. Jesus values you. You might be sitting here tonight. I don't know where you're from. I don't know why you came to be here, but Jesus loves you. He's got a plan for your life. And this supernatural man can take anything that's paralyzed on the inside of your spirit and bring faith and bring victory and bring healing and bring deliverance and bring joy and bring hope and bring life to it. You might be sitting here today full of fear, fully afraid. You feel like giving up. You feel like no, no, there's no reason for living. You feel like there's no plan. I've come to tell you that if, you would, if you'd lay aside paralyzed plans of darkness and, and earthly things and, and whatever and lay a hold of a supernatural man by the name of Jesus Christ who said I've come to give life and life more abundant he says I'm going to fill you with my spirit I'm going to change your life he is a supernatural God and he says to this guy would you step forward this guy that was embarrassed hiding his hand it didn't really work did it I tried to hide it 
tell you. Pamela, I don't know what this is. I don't know what this is. My wife bought it for me. It's stupid. I feel like I should go and paint something. He was hiding his hand. That's the funniest thing ever. But anyway. Fantastic. Anyway, so he's hiding his hand. And Jesus says, you're not hiding it very well. And he said, yeah, my wife bought me this. So Jesus was moved with compassion because of the stupid clothes that he was trying to wear at a youth conference to impress them. I could be wearing a t-shirt like everyone else, but no, I'm wearing this. I don't even know what this is. What, does it even have a name? It has a button. It's a magnetic button. This is important. Fashion, it's fashion. Anyway, for the two of you taking notes, I'll keep moving. So Jesus comes in. The guy's hiding his hand. And he says, step forward. And I bet the guy's heart's pounding, but he's hiding his hand. Jesus preaches this message about the value of a human life and says, this guy's more valuable than your rules, than your religion, than your stuff. And he says to the guy, he says, stretch forth your hand. It speaks of being vulnerable. That speaks of exposing the thing that would humiliate him the most. And he didn't just do it in the back corner. He said, get out here, bro. Let's do this in front of everybody. And he's going, no, I don't want to be a Christian. I'm going to join that other church. Don't make me stretch forth. The problem is too many people will go to the church where you don't have to stretch forth your hand. You don't have to stretch forth your hand in the paralyzed church, man, but you, you get to the church of Jesus, you might have to stretch forth your hand. You might have to repent of a few things. You might have to bring a bit of stuff to the altar. You might, you might just have to say, God, I shouldn't have done it. Oh, God, I need to get it right. You might have to lay aside something. See, see the presence of God is, is a lot of things, but it's not comfortable. Some people want to jump in the comfortable revival. It doesn't exist. When revival happens, roofs get torn off. People get dropped. I mean, devils come out of people and bankrupt a farm full of pigs, man. I'm telling you, revival's messy. If you want a revival, you're going to have to give up one thing, and it's called control. You can't control the Holy Ghost. I tell you one thing. I work for the Holy Ghost. He doesn't work for me. Man, I'm preaching myself happy just a little bit. Jesus, the supernatural man, says, stretch out your hand. God takes his hand in front of everyone. He stretches it out. Can I tell you, I don't know when the miracle happened, but what we know is he stretched out his hand and he got healed. What I can tell you right now is there is a miracle in the stretch. There is a miracle when you stretch. Can I tell you, Pastor Glenn, uh, this might be corny. I was thinking about this and praying about this, and, and I don't want to be corny, but I felt the Spirit of God say this. To, to tell me I needed to tell you this. See, see, see. I, I don't have a paralyzed hand, but I still want to stretch my hand to the one who can heal. I still stretch my hand to the one who can restore. I still stretch out my hand to the one who rolled back sin and lifted high a name that's above every name. I still stretch out my hand to the one who walked on water. I still stretch out my hand to the one who said to the storm, peace be still, I still stretch out my hand to the one who said, Lazarus, come forth. Because when I stretch out my hand, freedom and liberty comes into my experience. 
I tell you, there's times where God's got, if you serve God, man, you've you got to stretch out. I'm, I, 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 you know, here's the thing. There's so many people that want to hold back. When the media interviews somebody and they say, what, what, what kind of religion are you? They say, a Christian or a Christ follower. They go, oh, that's great. But if you say you're born again, born, I'm born again. They'll go, oh, you're one of them. <laughs> yes, I am one of them. Saved by the grace of God. Washed in the blood of Jesus. Forgiven from sin. Filled with the power of heaven. To right, I'm born again. I'm set free. No devil in hell can come against me. I'm a child of the living God. Greater is he that's living in me than he that's in the world. I don't want to be one of those Christians that walk around, yes, glory to God. I've come in contact with a supernatural man and so therefore what's on him is going to get on me. I'm filled with the Spirit of God, supernaturally ablaze with the wonder of heaven. You come in contact with a supernatural man, he will stretch you. He'll make you uncomfortable. If you signed up for this to be comfortable, oh, bad news. It's just not going to be comfortable when you're living in the will of God. You'll have a joy that you can't explain. You'll have a spring in your step that doesn't make sense. Things will go crazy wrong, yet you'll be happy and it won't make sense why. But it will be because your, name, your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. You're a child of God filled with the Holy Ghost and power and alive to serve Jesus and see something happen. I want to tell you, this supernatural man called Jesus, he's not just some, some religious relic. See, I think America and Australia have gotten Jesus all wrong. We've promoted Jesus as the guy that you see in the pictures in Sunday school, which is a guy that's about 20 pounds underweight. He's just had his nails done. Perfectly clipped beard. Perfectly curly hair. His teeth have just been freshly capped. His eyes are blue. He's handsome. His cloak, although surrounded by sheep, is surprisingly clean. And you look at now, you might say, you can't say this. I'm not talking about Jesus. I'm talking about the guy in the photos pretending to be Jesus. And the guy looks pretty sick. You sort of think, you know, he needs to go to Cracker Barrel for about two years. <laughs> and he's there in the picture holding a sheep and the sheep's kind of looking up at Jesus with admiration and honor. Yet with the other eye looking at us with arrogance and pride saying, you wish that you were here. And we're like, not really, because that's not Jesus. The problem is he kind of looks unwell. And then in Sunday school, the teacher tells us kids, now kids, you ever get in any trouble? Just go to him, he'll help you. And you look at the picture and go, nah. The picture's got it wrong. The Bible calls Jesus. See, see that guy's all, all nicey-nice. The Jesus I know, he went to church one day, didn't like what was happening. So he starts kicking over the table. You think, that's, that's something. And he busts out a whip. Did he come ready for a whipping? Or did he just have a whip on him at all times? <laughs> Somebody say it was a con he had a concealed weapons license. <laughs> Darn right he did. Get her done. Get, get her done. I was praying. I said, Lord, do you bring a whip to church? He said, yes, son, it's my second amendment right. And so I said, fair enough. Fair enough. He comes in whipping people. <laughs> That's the worst whipping sound I've ever heard. 
He wasn't a good whipper, but he, he still made a point. The guy in the picture never would have brought a whip. He would have written a strongly worded letter. <laughs> America, Australia, we hear this name Jesus. We don't realise who he really is. Have you ever heard of a condition called the lullaby effect? The lullaby effect. I learned this while watching Dr. Phil one day. Sadly, that's true. <laughs> and so he gets up and he says, you know, today I want to talk about the lullaby effect. And what the lullaby effect is, Pastor Glenn, is when you hear something over and over and over, that you lose the impact of the message because you've heard it over and over in a way that is inconsistent with the truth behind the message. For example, <clears throat> Rockabye baby on the treetop. Has anyone ever stopped at that point in the song and asked a simple little question? Why is there a baby in the top of a tree? Rockabye baby on the treetop, when the wind blows, the cradle will rock. Excuse me? Question? Who put the baby's bed in the top of a tree? When the bough breaks, what's a bough? I looked it up, I did. It's just another word for branch. When the branch breaks, the cradle, the baby's bed will fall. Down will come baby. Cradle and all. Those who don't know, the song's about a mother who had had enough. She said, Bobby, if you keep crying, I'm going to stick you in that tree. And I'm not going to stick you in today. I'm going to wait for a Louisiana hurricane to come off the Gulf of Mexico. I'm going to stick you. I'm not going to stick you on some nice branch to just sit. I'm going to put your whole bedroom in the top of that tree. And I'm not going to put you on a strong branch. I'm going to put you on a branch that's a bit suspect. So we don't know which way it's going to go, Bobby. And then mums will hold you. Rockabye, baby. They're not trying to encourage you, they're threatening you. It's a threat. But you know, the truth is, you've heard the song so many times, you think it's a song to put you to sleep. It's about a homicidal mother. That's what religion will make you do with Jesus. That's what religion will make you do with the gospel. We'll start to think it's only a feel-good story. But you know, the gospel always requires a stretch. It requires you to step out of being comfortable. It requires you to step out of being safe. It requires you to step out of being normal or being part of an in-crowd. The Bible talks about getting saved as coming out from among them and being separate. Living right, living pure, saying, God, I want to serve you. And, and you know, in this room tonight, God wants to touch people. You might be here and saying, God, I, I, want, to, I want to have an encounter with this supernatural man. You might say, I'm tired of this paralyzed Christian existence that I have. Or maybe you don't even have a Christian existence. Maybe you're feeling paralyzed in your spirit. You've come to this conference tonight to get your heart right with God. You'd say, David, I want to give my heart to Jesus. Maybe you're in this room tonight and you don't know God. I want to introduce you to the God of heaven and earth. 
who will change you, who will set you free, who will deliver you, who will wash you clean by his precious blood. I want every head bowed, every person in prayer. If you're in this place, maybe if you could just pull back these spotties for just one minute so I can see who I'm talking to for a minute. If you're in this place tonight and you'd say, David, I want to give my heart to Jesus. I want to get my life right with God. Maybe you're in this room. I don't know why you're here. I don't know who invited you. But what I do know is that Jesus Christ loves you. That he has a plan and a purpose for you. That he wants to wash you clean. Maybe you're sitting here, you're bound by sin. You say, surely God can't love me. Yeah, he does. He put this meeting on for you. This meeting's not about some Christians having a great weekend, though that will happen. This meeting is about you and I touching heaven and seeing lives change and that life could be yours in a split moment. You know, there's so much power in the name of Jesus in just a moment. If you call out that name, if you speak that name, you'll leave this place saved by the grace of God. You might feel like saying, David, I don't know I don't, I don't even know if I'm going to heaven or going to hell. Can I tell you, if you're not sure, you can leave this place sure tonight by the grace of God. There, there is a lot of young people sitting in this room and you know, there's mums, there's dads, there's people. I don't know who you are or where you're from, but what I do know is that Jesus loves you, that Jesus wants to change you, that Jesus wants to free you, that He wants to fill you, that He wants to write your name down in the Lamb's book of life so you can leave this place knowing that you are born again by the Spirit of God. And if you're in this room tonight, you'd say, David, I want to give my heart to Jesus while heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you'd say, David, that's me. I need to get my heart right with God. I'm sick of living paralyzed. I'm sick of living, living crippled with fear. I want to get my life right. I want to come to Jesus. I want to be born again by the Spirit of God. If you're in this room tonight, you'd say, David, pray for me. Tonight is my night. I want to be changed. I want to be born again. If that's you in this place, would you quickly lift your hand up so I can see who you are? I want to pray for you. Hands are going up all over the house. Hands are going up on the floor, up in the, up in the bleachers as well. If that's you, God, Jesus wants to come. Change your heart and change your life in the name of Jesus. If you're in this place and you'd say, David, I want to get my heart right with God. If that's you, quickly lift your hand up. I see hands going up all over this building. We're going to pray for you. I want every person to stand for just a moment. I'm nearly finished. But God's going to do something. Worship team, if you can make your way up. If you lifted your hands wherever you are in this place, just quickly, I want every head bowed, every eye closed. Just one more time. Would you lift your hands so I can see who you are? You, you want to pray this prayer. We're going to pray a prayer of invitation. Come on, let's, let, let, let's just open our hearts. I want you to pray this. If you'd say, David, that's me. I want to give my heart to Jesus. I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. Let's pray together. Dear God in heaven. Come on, everyone, you help them too, church. Dear God in heaven. I come to you tonight in the name of Jesus. And right now, Lord Jesus, I give my heart to you. I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean. Set me free. From this day forward, I give my heart to you. Would you take me, would you take my life? Would you change me? Make me new. I repent right now of my sin. I repent right now of any wrong thing I've done. And I ask you to wash me clean by the precious blood of Jesus. From this day forward, I give my heart and life to you. Today's a new day. My sins are gone. And I'm born again by the Spirit of God. Never, ever going to be the same again. In Jesus' name. Can somebody give God a praise in here? Come on, let's lift our hands to heaven in the house. Come on, let's just worship the Lord for just a little bit. 
Jesus, we worship. Holy Spirit, come. Oh. 